As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. One preseason game in the books, and Connor Hughes is in Wisconsin. We are checking in with him and everything else having to do with the Jets here on the latest edition of the Can't Wait podcast. I am Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer at The Athletic and a producer, Marissa Morris. Connor, a day of travel to get ready for what is going to be a week of practice for the Jets out in Green Bay against the Packers, and then they'll cap it off with the second preseason game coming up on Saturday. We're going to talk about that first preseason game, but... How was the travel? Uh, fine, I think. I, I didn't realize that there were no uh, direct flights from Philadelphia or Newark, the two places that I can fly out of to get here to uh, to Green Bay. So I had to do a little little talking to some of the other people that have done this trip before to find out how the heck you end up getting here. And uh, so I ended up going from Philadelphia to Chicago, Chicago to Appleton, rented a car, and then drove the 20 or 25 minutes here to Green Bay. And I can say that it's very flat out here. Um, <laughs> the speed limits are 70, not 65. Uh, the nice man at Enterprise gave me a fire red, uh, fire eng- fire truck red uh, charger to drive around for this week. So I'm sure that's not going to get me in trouble. <laughs> and uh yeah other than that it's great we j- just made dinner reservations so i got that jesus i'm kicking things uh I, i've got that coming up but yeah i mean i got a, i didn't sleep too much on the first flight i actually just listened to music and kind of didn't realize how quick the flight was to chicago i've only done it once and uh then it was only like a 50 minute flight to appleton so i'm kind of still running on on a little uh i'm i'm dragging a little bit we're we're you can't we're, uh, um, yeah you can't drive from milwaukee to green bay is that's too far that's long um I have no idea. Sure, maybe. I okay. don't know. Okay. <laughs> this is my first time here. As, as Aaron Rodgers infamously said not long ago, people don't usually come to Green Bay to vacation. And I can, I'm not going to say I can see why. I got to see what the, the food scene's like. But I know the golf's pretty good. I'm getting a chance to play Whistling Straits on Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but we're going to, we're going to check this, uh, we're going to check this out and see, see what the, uh, See what the scenery is like. I'm going out to eat at a restaurant today. What's it? I'll look it up later. I just made reservations with Costello and Andy, so we're all going out to eat. And uh, 
yeah, we're going to see what it's like. Sorry, I'm like, I'm really drained. This is like, right, literally, I got off of a plane like 45 minutes ago and then drove 30 minutes and now I'm here in front of you guys. So I'm dragging a little bit at the moment. I, need I was wondering, I was wondering how long into the podcast it would take for you to utter the words whistling straights. We got about <laughs> two minutes and 20 yeah. seconds. So. I think I'm looking said that, that before one. Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Of course, they're going to kick my ass, but they're playing the Ryder Cup there. So to be able to play that one, I know when I when I got that tee time confirmed on the one day off that we have down here on Friday, uh, I was I was pretty excited. I'm not going to lie. So uh, the next can't wait that we do. Maybe we'll do one Friday right after I play. We'll do a, a recap of the Packers. Uh, Recap of the practices, preview of the game, and then just talk about how I go from shooting a 79. I know you know I was going to reference that. How I go from shooting a 79 to probably a 179 on whistling straights. Exactly. Somewhere in the triple digits for sure. All right, let's get back to the Jets. Um, and before we talk about this week, let's talk about the weekend and the game that was um, a few days behind us now, but still plenty to take in from that game. And of course, the first thing to talk about, as always, is Zach Wilson and I mean, it was a good performance, right? Six of nine, 63 yards. He wasn't in there for very long. We can talk about that. The fact that Justin Fields, who's, you know, may or may not start week one for the Chicago Bulls, got a lot of time under center in the Bears' first preseason game. He's going to play point guard, small forward. <laughs> What's he playing? What did point I say? Guard, what did forward? I say? Did I say the Bulls? You said the, the Bulls. Bears. Yeah. yeah. The Bears. Uh, the Bears. Justin Fields, yes. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for correcting me. Um, but six of nine, 63 yards of two series. I mean, he had the nice throw that didn't quite get a first down. He showed I – th- I, tell me if I'm wrong. It seemed like the best thing I saw in his performance, Connor, was that he looked confident in the pocket, and when he moved on a little bit out of the pocket, there just seemed like a comfort level there that he wasn't uh, – you know, the, the, he didn't have the big eyes that here come the big defensive linemen from some other team and I'm going to run for my life. He looked confident. He's hung, hung in there, threw the ball when he needed to. He wasn't perfect, but good. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, Tim, one of, one of the biggest things is probably how he looked the two and three quarter weeks of training camp leading into this game, you know, where we – Really never had a practice, aside from the first one that was open to the fans, where basically the whole practice was still scripted, where Zach looked good from his very first throw all the way to his very last one. And, and we've talked about the reasons over and over and over again. I mean, we've beaten him, beaten him to a pulp, so we're not going to go into details. Well, the quick rehash is Carl Lawson has been on his ass basically every other pass. Uh, they went from having scripted practices to calling them live. And then also, you know, just kind of the acclimation of the installation of the offense. It's the installation, they're going to live play calling, and then the pass rush. All of those have played a role in kind of that up and down learning curve, up and down camp for Zach Wilson to this point. And that's why you'll see the really nice throw followed by the questionable throw. You'll see a series where everything looks like it clicks and then a series where nothing looks like it clicks. A series where he's red hot in the red zone and a series where he can't do anything in the red zone. I mean, it goes like that, and that's how it was the first two and three quarters weeks of camp. But the one thing I would always say is like, I've seen bad quarterback play. This isn't bad quarterback play. He just looks like a rookie who's learning his way. And the Thursday, the final practice that Zach Wilson played before that Giants preseason game was probably, no, not even probably, was undeniably his most complete camp practice that we have seen from him. It was the most from first throw to last throw, from first period to last period, the best he had looked all summer. And the fact that he was able to take that performance on Thursday and parlay it into a game against the Giants, where I know 
There was no starting secondary. I know there was no starting defense. I know there was no game planning from Patrick Graham. This is basically just a very vanilla scheme that they don't want to put anything on tape that they threw out there. It was the plays that they run in practice, now just running the plays against another team. There was no game planning to try to shut down the Jets or shut down Zach Wilson. But Wilson led the Jets on a 12-play drive. He led the Jets on a 10-play drive that came to a halt on fourth and one, not because of him. In fact, the only reason that the Jets had a chance to convert that fourth and one was because of him. And I thought you saw decisiveness with his reads, where he found his guy, saw his guy open, and got it there. When he did throw the ball, you saw that velocity and the arm strength that everyone had talked about that left town evaluators fawning over him at his pro day. And you saw an understanding of an ability to go through his reads, play within the pocket, play calm, play cool, play collecting. At no point, it's the, it's a cliche, no different than iron sharpens iron, but it's a cliche, but it never looked too big for him. It never looked like he was a fish out of water. He never looked like he was drowning. He looked comfortable, and it was a game that built on a good practice. And now it's about these two practices against the Packers building on that practice or that game against the Giants and the practice before that. And now just as, as Robert Sellis said after the, game, after the game, it's about stacking positive days. That's what it's, up. That's what it's about now. How about the philosophy of just having him in there for two series when you only have three preseason games and then he's going to be your week one starter, whereas I mentioned it, Justin Fields, quarterback for the Bears, uh, was in there a long time. I think he came in and late in the first quarter, was in there into the second half, got a lot of throws under his belt, ran for some yardage, and really got some time at the NFL level. Um you know, for, for Zach Wilson to start week one, I feel like he needs more time, but I know you also want to protect him and keep everybody healthy. Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, because Trey Lance did the same thing, but but with Trey Lance, he's not the team's starting quarterback. You know, right. uh, Jim Garoppolo is. With Fields, he should be, but he's not the starting quarterback Andy Dalton is, you know? And, and it's the same thing with with Mac Jones in, in New England, right? He's not the starting quarterback Cam Newton is. And I would say that those guys were going up against the third team defense. I mean, at that point, all of the starters were out and probably a chunk of the second team as well. And, and would I have given Zach a little bit more time, maybe a series or two, but I think he also did play a lot. I mean, a couple of those series for, for fields and a couple of the series for Lance and a couple of the series for Jones, they were quick. The two series that Zach Wilson had, like I said, it, it was a 12 play drive and a 10 play drive. That's 22 reps that he got. And I know he only played two series, but he probably would have played three series or probably would have played even four series if there had been a couple of three and outs worked in there. But he didn't. He took the Jets all the way down the field. The one drive that came that stalled at, at, uh, on the fourth and one where they were able the Giants were able to stuff that that run. And I know there was a, a missed blocking assignment is the reason why that drive started at the Jets nine yard line. So he took them down the field and was making throws. And I think the Jets in that game, if there had been struggles, if there had been interceptions, if there had been a lot of mistakes I think they maybe would have given him some extra time to get more reps. But while you didn't have the 80-yard the touchdown like Lance threw, while you didn't have the 30-yard touchdown like Fields threw, while you didn't have the rushing touchdown like Fields, while you didn't have that highlight, from an observational coaching standpoint, you saw everything from Zach Wilson on Saturday that you could have wanted to see from Zach Wilson on Saturday. Yeah, it would have been cool to see the, the highlight, but you saw everything you wanted to. And he got the two extensive drives. He got it behind the starters, and I also don't think the Jets necessarily wanted to keep him in there against with a backup offensive line blocking for him. Right. I think they wanted to get the starting offensive line out, not play Zach Wilson behind the backups and risk him getting hurt. Because unlike those other guys, Zach Wilson is this team's starting quarterback. He is the no-doubt, unquestioned week one guy. 
And now, obviously, I have to go back and listen to the conversation. I was on a plane when Robert talked to the media today. Uh, the understanding is that he's going to get the same first quarter plus maybe two or three extra uh, extra excuse me two or three extra drives to uh, against the Packers on Saturday, and then he's also going to play against the Eagles there in that final preseason game. Yeah, you have to do that with the three games. Speaking of the starting yeah. offensive line, uh, there's been plenty of. You know, wonders about the pass blocking of that offensive line through the beginning of training camp and the fact that uh, Lawson has had his way with with Becton and all that stuff. But from a rushing standpoint, that first couple series, they looked great. And obviously, Vera Tucker's not even there. And, you know, that was one disappointing thing of the game. And, and not getting to see Elijah Moore in a game was certainly really disappointing um, from a fan standpoint. But getting to see what this offense can do running and getting the ball outside on running plays and seeing Makai Becton getting out there and just opening up a few huge holes, that was almost as, as fun for me to watch as seeing Zach Wilson get to it, was just seeing a, a running offense and, and an attack with this offensive line that looks like it's going to be able to break off some big plays. Yeah, it's, it's going to be the strength of this team. And and I don't mean that just because of the, the Kyle Shanahan systems, kind of a little bit more run-oriented, just like his dad's was. And, and the 49ers, you look at the, the when that offense was at its best was in 2019 when they had Mosher, Coleman, and Breida basically carrying that team on their back to the Super Bowl. Those guys combined for what was it, 16 touchdowns and 1,900 rushing yards, I think it was. I mean, all of those guys had over 600 yards rushing or over 550 yards rushing. I forget the exact numbers. Uh, specifically, but you had a team that was led by their ground game, and the Jets want to replicate that here with that zone-blocking scheme. And they do have the personnel when everyone is healthy to do that. I mean, this is a very strong, a very agile, a very athletic front all the way across the board. That's Makai Becton. That's Vera Tucker when he's healthy. That's Connor McGovern. That's Greg Van Roten, even though you know people are – Concerned about him and some of his ability. I mean, he is an athletic player. Then at right tackle, Morgan Moses or Fant, a former basketball player, you have two athletic players on the right side of the line as well. So when the Jets can impose their will like they did in that first quarter, first quarter and a half against the Giants, that's where they're going to be at their best. And the one thing that we did not see on Saturday, and it's just because these guys didn't play a full game, is the way that the pass game can then truly build off of that. Because when the, when the first team offensive line was in there. At the end of the first quarter, the Jets were averaging five and a half yards a carry. Ty Johnson, Mike Carter, not even Tevin Coleman, who's been probably their best running back in training camp. Those guys were averaging five and a half yards a carry. And again, I know backup Giants offensive line or backup Giants defensive line, but the holes were still there. The Jets were still moving bodies out of the way and creating massive running lanes. Massive running lanes I haven't seen this team create in three years. That still carries some weight. That still means something no matter who's in front of them. And what we didn't see, which we will see the longer this offense plays together, the longer they're able to do that, is the way the defense has to adjust to that kind of a running style, where suddenly the safeties that are back deep, they've got to come into the box. The, the oppositions can't play nickel defense as much because they got to bring that extra linebacker in to stop the run. And as soon as that happens, then the little play action that Zach Wilson can run, the boots, the, the rollouts. The, the the double moves on the outside where Corey Davis can, can kind of act blocking, then get deep, or Elijah Moore can get deep. You're going to start to see those things come into play a lot more if the Jets can run this, because this is an offense that's going to be at its best when you have a running attack and a passing game that builds off of the running attack. We saw the running attack Saturday night against the Giants. We didn't see the passing attack build off of the running attack 
just because these guys didn't play long enough. But it was very positive, very optimistic to see them play the way they did because what we basically saw was throughout training camp, we've seen an offensive line that can run block. We've seen an offensive line that can create holes and pave holes and, and move bodies out of the way to get running backs through. We saw them not just do that against their, their own defensive line, but we saw them do it against the Giants. And now we're going to get a chance to see them doing it against the, uh, a defensive line, the Packers, that helped that team win 13 games last year. I mean, these aren't schlubs in Green Bay. This is a 13-3 and three Super Bowl contender. Like, it's a Super Bowl contending team that the Jets are going to get two full practices against. And I'm fascinated to see how that works. But as far as a first test, both run blocking and pass blocking, because the offensive line held up pretty well in pass blocking as well. I'm very, I'm, I'm it was a, a, a first test passed with flying colors on Saturday night. All right. One other positive on the offense that I'm not going to get into because I want this podcast to keep going and not grind to the <laughs> holes here. And that is Denzel Mims, who had three catches for 51 yards. He was good. We'll talk about him more, I'm sure, as we go forward, but not right now. On the defensive side of the ball, though, Bryce Huff. I mean, we've talked about this guy, how he's done and what a, what a good signing a year ago by this team and what he's done so far in the offseason to impress. But then to come out in the first preseason game with a couple of sacks just kind of solidifies everything we've been talking about. And we can finally now talk about this because it's on the film. You know, the Jets have these media right. policies that like we've seen like a lot of the things like now we can't say first team, second team. Like we, everyone got in trouble for talking about Denzel Mims working with the third team. So now we're not allowed to say anyone's working with the first team, second team, third team. So now when Denzel Mims works his way up the depth chart, we can't talk about that. Like it's it's <laughs> it's so maddening, but it's you know, it's whatever. It's 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 their policy. They're allowed to enforce it. So now we're not allowed to say first team, second team, third team. The other thing we are not allowed to say in training camp is the way that players are deployed. So when we see certain guys line up in certain spots. We're not allowed to say it. I remember that used to drive me nuts because in 2016, the Jets started working Chris Owusu and Brandon Marshall outside and Eric Decker moved into the slot where his route running would really be highlighted. And we weren't allowed to talk about that until the preseason came. And then you saw Eric Decker in the slot and then it was on the film so we could start talking about it. So now what we can finally start talking about is how the Jets are going to approach their pass rushing package and the way that they're going to send out their pass rushing package. And it's very similar to what the 49ers did. It's very similar to what the Philadelphia Eagles did. It's very similar to what the New York Giants did when they won their two Super Bowls. What the Jets are doing is their front four on a four down set throughout training camp. And we saw it in the first preseason game. Their four, off, four defensive linemen were Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers at defensive end, Sheldon Rankins and Foley Fatukasi at defensive tackle. What the Jets now do in their pass rushing package is they take John Franklin Myers and they move him to defensive tackle where they replace Foley Fatukasi. Bryce Huff then comes onto the field at defensive end, and that gives the Jets speed and, and disruptiveness from Huff, a maniac, Tasmanian devil, and Carl Lawson. John Franklin Myers, who is a, a good defensive end, can then move inside where he is simply too quick and too strong for guards who are used to dealing with big body defensive tackles. He's too quick. He's going to move around him and create force. And then Sheldon Rankins, who's known as a pass rushing defensive tackle. You saw that rush when it works perfectly on that second down play and that third down play on the Giants first possession. Because on the second down play, Sheldon Rankins threw whoever the Giants left guard was completely aside to get in and force a hit on Mike Glennon. On the next series, when they went with their, their pass rush package, the Jets did, Carl Lawson came screaming around the outside. 
Mike Glennon had to take a step up to avoid Carl Lawson and not get sacked from behind. When he took that step up, that's when Bryce Huff was right inside. So, I mean, they like Carl Lawson and Bryce Huff basically rushed like this. And because Lawson pushed Glennon up, Huff obviously had to beat his guy, but he didn't. He came in for the sack. What I'm going to be fascinated to see is Quinnen Williams, who is now off the pup list. How will this defensive line work? Because I can't totally figure it out myself because your two staples that have to be on the field whenever they have the energy are Carl Lawson and Quinton Williams. Those two guys have to be on the field as much as possible because they are your, I mean, you can, Huff's a good player. Franklin Myers is a good player. Rankin's a good player. You're talking about a guy that you believe has pro bowl potential in Carl Lawson and a guy you believe has all pro potential in Quinton Williams. So those guys, as long as they're ready to go, they're going to be on the field in every situation, run down, pass down everything. So you then have two other spots. You have another defensive end spot. You never a defensive tackle spot. Fatu Kasi, the ones that definitely comes off the field. He's not a pass rusher. He's definitely coming off the field in, in, in rushing situations. So who do you then play at that defensive tackle, right? Because I would think you would put the same thing. You would just have Franklin Myers go to that defensive tackle spot, Huff go to that defensive end spot. That's what I would think. But then that means that Franklin – or that means that Sheldon Rankins is coming off the field. Well, Shel Sheldon Rankins – was a, a, a top-tier pass-rushing defensive tackle with the Saints before injuries took their toll. And he's practiced every single training camp practice for the Jets. He showed in that training camp game against the Giants starting – or the preseason game against the Giants starting offensive lineman. He's capable of, of getting – now, he's healthy. He, he looks very much like the player that dominated for the Saints. So now you got Sheldon Rankins. Well, you don't really want to take Sheldon Rankins off the field, right? Okay, so you keep Sheldon Rankins on the field. Okay, so does that mean you take Franklin Myers off the field to put Huff on? Well, you don't want to take Franklin Myers off the field either because he's a disruptive force and having the best defensive training camp of anyone not named Carl Lawson. So then, okay, you keep Franklin Myers on the field, but that means Huff doesn't come on. And Huff just showed what he can do. So it's – look, it's a good problem to have. It's, it's, not a, it's not a bad problem by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just very curious to see how the Jets do this rotation. And it might just very well be that Salah keeps getting fresh legs on the field. And aside from those two staples that I said of Lawson – and uh, and Lawson and, and uh, Quinn and Williams, you'll just see the other two positions. Right? It won't be a set third down rush package. The Jets will basically have three waves of rush practices, rough rush packages that they'll just throw out consistently. You said it's a good problem to have, and really, it's it's a problem that good teams have. Generally, all good teams have these problems, right? Where you actually have depth because somebody's going to get hurt at some point and it's not going to be a problem anymore because you're going to have the guys to come off the bench and, and to fill that space for sure. But yeah, it's something that they certainly haven't had around one Jets drive in a little while. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move on to the Packers out in Wisconsin. Uh, they are on the table this week. Obviously, 
the Giants, Connor, are uh, not a great football team, and the no, Jets didn't see their best players either. But now you get a full week practicing against one of the teams that's going to be a, a contender to get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. That is the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and, and everything they bring. Um, so how much does everything just kind of get cranked up this week for the Jets as far as intensity and all of that? Uh, I'm, well, I kind of curious who's going to, I think Jared Davis is going to be the one who starts the fight. Cause that guy's aggressive. Him and Wesco, Wesco is going to get into it with Packer defenders and Jared Davis is going to get into it. I mean, there's always fights when there's joint practices. I don't care who's brothers with who. I mean, you might see the two Mike and Matt LaFleur go at it as brothers. I mean, I know that they, I don't, I, I you know, brothers always like to fight. I don't know. I mean, I don't have a brother. I'm just assuming I had sisters. I know they went at it. Like they were vicious. Like my sisters were horrible to each other. So I can only imagine what brothers were like. I just kind of stayed out of that whole ordeal, but um, I think what I'm most looking forward to in these practices and, and it's, so I was, I was like, I'm so tired of like the cliche of the iron sharpens iron with Mekhi Becton and, and Carl Lawson. I want to see Zedaria Smith. I know he just came off the NFI. I want to see him and this Packers pass rush go up against Mekhi Becton. I want to see Mekhi one-on-one with the Packers defensive line. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see the Jets corners and the Jets secondary one-on-one with Devontae Adams and the Packers receivers. I want to see Carl Lawson try to get past David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari. I always see. He's the guy who always chugs the beers. He's one of the best in the league. I want to see Carl Lawson go up against him, not Becton, to see, okay, is Lawson actually going to now start creating all these problems with somebody else, right? I want to see all of these things. And I want to see Aaron Rodgers try to pick apart a defense that looked pretty good Saturday night against the Giants. I mean, all of those things are the sub-headlines. And then obviously the big one's going to be Zach Wilson, is that Zach Wilson now gets two full practices against another defense, two full practices against a really good defense and a really good team, a really well-coached team. And we get to see what that's going to look like. And I think this is going to be that ultimate measuring stick because you don't really get a full grasp of how good a team is in training camp because they're going up against each other. I mean, I guess you can tell when a team's going to be awful, but you can see. Like when the Jets' backups beat their starters 27 to nothing in the scrimmage last year, you kind of got the inkling that the Jets weren't going to be a very good football team. Like when things like that happen, like that anomaly, that's going to be something that you that you you take note of. But you don't gain too much in terms of like, oh, this is going to be a great team. Oh, this is going to be a 10-win team. Oh, this is going to be five. You, you just don't because it's – is it does the offense look good or does the defense look bad? Or does the defense look good or does the offense look bad? Or is this just like you don't really know? In preseason, it's similar because – Aside from the third preseason game, there really isn't all that much game planning. You know, there's not that much into it. The first two preseason games are usually just you're just running the plays that you installed, the generic plays. You're just running them against another opponent and seeing what works. And then aside from that, I mean, it's just the intensity is not as high. The starters aren't playing. The starters know it's like you don't gain anything off the preseason. either. That's why you've seen the Detroit Lions went 4-0 in the preseason and then went 0-16 in the regular season. So it's like you don't gain anything from preseason, really. These joint practices, you do, because now you're going to get to see, like I said, for two full days, the Jets go against the Packers, the starting Jets offense and the starting Jets defense go up against the starting Packers offense and the starting Packers defense. And I don't expect the Jets to go in there like gangbusters and, and beat up the Packers. I don't think that's going to, this is a 13 and three Packer team 
that brought back the large portion of their team and is still a Super Bowl contender as long as number 12 is under center. The Jets are not. The Jets are a team that if they win seven games, that's going to be something legitimately positive and a major milestone. If they can just get to seven wins this year. So I'm not in the boat of like, oh, I expect the Jets to go, you know, to have the practice, but I want to see how they compete. I want to see if they're going to be competitive. I want to see if there's going to be moments. I want to see if Zach Wilson takes the starting offense down the field and scores a touchdown in the scrimmage like Sam did against the Washington football team when they scrimmaged each other during his rookie year. And, and it was that moment, that scrimmage where Mike McCagna decided this guy's ready to start. He's our starting quarterback. And, and I, I want to see if there are those moments from Wilson. I want to see him get away from this secondary, get away from this defense, go up against a defense that doesn't have any film on him and see how he performs and how he does. And, and it's going to be really fun. Like this is one where I've really been looking forward to this just because this is like every observation people have asked me, every, how's this guy look? How's this guy look? Are you worried about this? What do you think about that? What do you, this, what do you like all that? I've said, this is what I think so far, comma, but we'll know more when we get to the Packer week. I like what this looks like, comma, but we'll know more when we get back to the Packer week. There's always been the, but when we get to the Packer week, well, the Packer week's here. So now we're going to see how Zach Wilson really looks. We're going to see how Makai Becton really looks. We're going to see how Carl Lawson really looks. We're going to see how this secondary really looks. We're going to get that, that finally some concrete evaluation and analysis. And I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And we talked about Quinn and Williams a little bit before the commercial, but he is going to be back and practicing. He won't be playing uh, in the game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Connor, but I don't no, think he'll no, be ready to play. Yet. But they are hoping to have him ready to go by week one, um, you know, in early September. So we'll see. But he'll be on the field, starting to get reps, starting to get back at it with that, that foot. So the first thing is, let's see how the foot reacts. But also, he's coming out with confidence. His line, speaking to the media this week, said, when you got a family full of sharks, you're all going to eat. Talking about this defensive line and, Connor, what you talked about a little bit earlier, the number of guys who can kind of wreak havoc on this defensive line. Um, but if that's the attitude and what we can expect from Quinn and Williams when speaking to the media, I mean, bring it, right? I mean, that's what yeah. we could just all hope for Quinn and Williams crazy quotes all season long. I hope, but this is, this is, this, I mean, this is, a, this is media complaining now. Everyone's going to be like, on oh my, I know I'm going to get so many people in this comment section are going to be on my ass about, we don't care about this. We don't give a shit about this. We love him, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that annoys me about Quinn is every year since he's been a rookie, like his first press conference with us is this. And like mm -hmm. the one he just gave. I remember last just, year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like last year with, he's talking about dominance. And then his first year as a rookie was when he made the comment about playing with himself. And it was like a great, like, oh, this guy's going to be so, it was about Madden. And he was like, oh, he goes, it's, he goes, I can't wait to go home and play with myself. And like as soon as he goes, that sounded weird. And everyone started laughing. It was a great quote. Like it was, it was like, oh man, this guy's going to be so much fun. But then immediately after that, boom shuts off the entire there was one point like he gave a a, pre, a a conference by his locker his rookie year and all he said was you have to ask coach gates you have to ask to every like quinn and what's your name you have to ask coach gates well quinn i don't want to ask coach gates i want to ask you so what do you think i have to ask coach gates quinn what's your well that's obviously somebody said something to him specifically yeah, about that right like be careful yeah. what you're talking about and so Probably. hopefully a new coaching staff opens yeah. up but then, quinn and Williams. but then we get to last year and last year the first conference he gives us it's amazing but then after that first he like goes into his shell and then so now we're back here again boom 
awesome. And like we were talking about as we we're walking off, and Andy Vasquez was the one that said, "Man, that was awesome! Like Quinnen's finally back." And I was like, "Dude, it was like he did this last year." So I, I think Quinnen's a hell of a football player. I think Quinnen can be an incredible quote and incredible for the media as far as just informative and funny and charismatic and all that stuff. I just, from a media perspective, I got to see him one, like, give me like two more press conferences in a row of him being good. And then I'll be bought in on the, make him the media good guy winner. You need the post game too. Like he gets two sacks in a big game and then, then he brings it yeah. after the game. Yeah. That's, that's what you want. Speaking of guys with, um, you know, vocal former Jets, Jamal Adams, four years, $75 million. I thought I would just bring that up in this show that he got, he got the money, Connor. He was the most disingenuous athlete I've ever covered in my life. I'm sorry, but it's true. I can say that now. There was never a player that I covered that wanted the spotlight on him more. That it was like, there are guys that I cover that like, they're leaders and people follow them because of who they are, right? Like Marcus May is one of them. You know, like there, there's just Demario Davis was another one of them. David Harris was another one. Like there are just guys that they're leaders. They are naturally, they are natural leaders. Jamal was one of those guys that in order for him to be a leader, he had to tell everyone that he was the leader. Like that's, he constantly had to be the center of attention. He constantly had to have his voice being louder than everyone else. And he constantly had to remind everyone, I'm the leader, I'm the captain, I'm the face. And it's like, it's, it just came off of me as so disingenuous. It really, it really, really did. And I mean, well, I don't know, man, like you've seen him since he's gone out there in Seattle. It's not like he's made, like the dude can't cover like he, yeah. So he's really great at blitzing, which is what Greg Williams figured out and started doing. And he's great at getting to the quarterback. And he's great against the run, but he can't cover. And like Nolan now Rocky, who I'm, I'm legitimately upset that he doesn't, he no longer does his draft guide because he used to every single year do this. It was a media Bible basically, because he would come out with a draft guide that was just filled with nugget, after nugget, after nugget, like he would have like the scouting reports, but he would also talk, he would do his own scouting report. And then he would talk to scouts and executives from around the league for what they were thinking about him. And he used to dig into these players' backgrounds and pull out like, like uh, this player's aggression has always been a little bit extra. Because one time he threw a school, uh, uh, his math book at his teacher. Like he would like find little nuggets like that that no one knew about or like, you know, his favorite popsicle color is red because he like, it's just weird shit. He would dig it, but it was awesome. And he was always so, 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 and everyone obviously whiffs on some draft, but he was so good and so informative. It was awesome to like find stories. And I remember reading his about Jamal Adams and it was like, he's a hell of a football player. He's going to go top 10, but I have a really hard time picking a box safety that early when he can't cover. And sure enough, here we are. I mean, what's this Jamal's fifth year. And it's, he can't cover. Like it's just a fact. And and I'll be honest with you, I think the Jets dodged a big bullet there. I really, I really think they do because again, he was a good football player, a really good football player, but he wasn't right for the team the Jets needed now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, money can be better spelt, spent in other areas. All right, one yeah. other thing I wanted to talk to you about as far as Zach Wilson goes, and that is we've, I mean, we've beaten this drum this offseason, the fact that the Jets don't have a veteran quarterback that can talk to Zach and Zach can learn from in the room and all of that. Now, he's not going to spend time picking Aaron Rodgers' brain. They're going to be other on opposite sidelines here this week, but he is going to get a couple of days of practice where he can observe what a future Hall of Famer does in practice and then in a game, obviously. So how important is that? What can Zach Wilson yeah. get from Aaron Rodgers this week? Well, he won't be in meetings with him, but I mean, just talking to him and picking his brain whenever he gets a chance and watching him, like you said, I mean, that that's going to be super, super valuable. Now, you touched upon it there, and that's one of the reasons why, like, I get what, you know, the Jets, oh, blah, 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 you don't need the veteran, you know, so, I, but like, what is so valuable when you have that rookie is when you have somebody who has been been there and done that and had at least some semblance of success, they know how to prepare for a game. They know how to treat their body. They know how to take certain drills in practice. They know what to do when they're not in on practice. They've been in ex- situations and experiences over the years where Zach could have like gotten the coaching done and then seen it too. And, and that's, that's where I think the jets just dropped the ball. I really, I, I, I will go down on the boat saying that, that like, I just think they dropped the ball. They're clearly not going to add the veteran. They, the, the veteran leadership would have been so valuable for Zach in training camp, like to be with them every single day in training camp where now it's like, well, what's the point now? Just go with Mike white and James Morgan. Like you're, you're done there. But it's, I, I just, I don't know. I like that, that, yeah, it's going to be helpful to see Rodgers, but it's not going to be nearly as helpful as if the Jets were able to add a veteran who has been there and done that for Wilson to observe every single day in practice. Just to say, I, 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 There's a lot of things that I love about this coaching staff. There's a lot of things the Jets have done that I, I genuinely love and think I genuinely believe this Jets team is finally headed in the right direction. But that is a, a ball dropping that like I'm I it will never make sense to me ever. I mean, you see all the other quarterbacks that went in the first round, right? The five quarterbacks and the other ones all have a veteran of some kind in place that started, you know, a decent amount of games yeah. in the NFL, if not more. And, I would have gotten Colt McCoy, man. I would have gotten Colt McCoy. I know Andy Dalton went to the Bears. I would have gotten Andy Dalton. I thought he would have been a fit. But, like, I know Andy Dalton went to the Bears because so they said he was going to be the starter and, and things like that. But I, I just I, – I, I don't get it. I don't – I don't I don't know. Maybe they cut Foles. But like even then, like now you're bringing in Foles. Like it's just – if the Jets lose Zach Wilson, they're screwed anyway. Like Nick Foles ain't going to save this team. Like it's just – like it's not. Like there's a point now. But like it would have been beneficial to have Nick Foles here so Zach could watch him in camp. Watch what a Super Bowl MVP – is anyone Super Bowl MVP? And that's see what he looks like. What a guy who's had success. He's done seven touchdowns in the game before. Like see what that looks like. And learn from it, just from observation. Be able to pick his brain, and and you know what? I, what what do I know? Like you know what I mean? Like, but you know, giving the Jets the benefit of the doubt isn't usually uh, doesn't usually work out as history has taught us. No, it certainly has. All right, anything else before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I think it's going to be fun. Like, I, I think this is really going to be a good time. I don't know if you guys want to do a podcast on Friday evening, like around six or seven. 
uh, and just recap the practices or if you want to wait until after the game. Uh, I know wait until after the game is going to – I mean, I fly home Sunday. We can do something then. But uh, whatever you guys want to do. I mean, I, like I, I've said to, to fans before and, and I've done mailbags. I've done Q&As on Twitter. I've done all that stuff. Like the thing I keep keep harping on over and over and over again is like there's always been a but with every observation. And it's because you do this long enough and you eventually learn that this is the Jets going up against the Jets. And there's no way to know if the offense looks good or the defense looks bad. You know, there's just no way to figure that out. Now we can figure that out. And, and and as a measuring stick goes, I don't think there's any better measuring stick than going up for two days in a row against the Packers. A well-coached, well-built, strong top-to-bottom team that has a lot of areas that are going to test the Jets. Because we want to know about the corners. Devontae Adams is coming to town. We want to know about Mekhi Becton, Zedaria Smith, and Preston Smith. They're coming to town. We want to know about Zach Wilson. This is a 13-3 and football team he's about to go against. There are so many things that we are going to learn this week, for better or worse, that it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it could be really ugly and still really useful. <laughs> to keep that in mind, fans, as you watch that game, because uh, they'll be learning for sure. It's, it's um, really, all right, that's going to do it for us. It's, it could be really <laughs> ugly but really useful. It might be the, uh, the name of the Jets yearbook that they put on at the end of this one. <laughs> really <laughs> ugly, ugly, but it was useful. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, not sure when we'll be back, but within the next week, if if not later this week, then certainly beginning of next week to recap the full Packers experience out there in Wisconsin. We'll find out what Connor shot at Whistling Straits as well. You can save 33% on a full year subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for that. We'll talk to everyone again soon.